podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast. And you guys, we have made it to episode 50. 50, Jill. 5-0. What? This is episode 50. And listeners, if you have been with us since the beginning, we are so honored and thrilled that you're here. And if this is the very first time you've ever listened to Afraid Not, we are so glad you're here. And thanks for listening today. Our podcast is as old as me now. <gasps> That's amazing. <laughs> That's cool. We should Not have that I like should a be advertising that theme way. song or something. Well, we do have a theme song. Well, anyway, tell us, Jill, what's going to be on our show today. Okay, so today we are going to talk to Davina Bress, and she is so amazing. I love this conversation so much. She's inspiring in a big way and wonderful to talk to. She has a very calming and soothing voice, too, which, I mean, it's just a bonus. (laughs) But I'll tell you something very special about this episode that I left the conversation with. It is a really beautiful picture of Psalm 40. And we didn't actually mention that during the podcast, but later it just really struck my heart that what a beautiful picture that Davina's testimony is of Psalm 40. Here's how Psalm 40 begins. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. You're going to hear in her story an amazing testimony of someone who's been in a very dark and very hard place. And yet she's come through on the other side because God lifted her out of it. You are going to be moved by her story as we were. Davina is going to talk about what it's like to go through a relationship with somebody who's had multiple affairs, who's dealt with pornography, and that is previous to her marriage. That is not with her marriage. She is married to Brian Bress, who is a friend of ours. That's right. We that we grew up with, and he has become. He is the. award reward that she got he's amazing so and uh, he is the pastor at the life church norman campus so they um they they are in charge of that campus over there and you you're just gonna love her i don't even know what else to say she's just super cool and also she's inspiring as a, a wife and a mom she's homeschooling their four kids who are aged six to ten and Everybody, just get ready for a really inspiring, sweet conversation to bless your life. And here we go. Hi, Davina. Thanks so much for coming tonight. Thank you all for having me. We are very grateful that you're here, and we would like for you to start off our show tonight with just introducing yourself to our listeners. Tell us all a little bit about you and your family and maybe what... um, what kind of things your, your family does on a daily basis? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Davina Bruss. I am married to Brian, my husband. We've been married for 13 years now. We have four sweet babes. Um, our youngest is Jeremiah. He is six. Then we have Elijah, who is seven, Adeline's nine, and Caleb is 10. Um, and Brian is a pastor with Life Church. He has been for almost 25 years. So I married into that role as a pastor's wife. Um, 
Life Church is a multi-site church, and so we have been at goodness, I think five different locations over our marriage um, in three different states. And so we've done a lot of moving in our time. Um, I spend my days with my babies. We homeschool, not um, COVID required homeschool, but actually by choice homeschool. (laughs) We've done it all these years, all through um, elementary school. Our oldest is in sixth grade now. I am an attorney by trade. Um, I do not practice now. My days are filled with my kiddos. But when I am not taking care of my kids and um, playing mom and teacher, I spend a lot of time volunteering in a couple of different capacities in our life groups and life missions, um, both at our central location, which is um, where we kind of put out curriculum for all of Life Church, all 35 or 36 campuses we have now, as well as on our specific campus, which is in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, we've been at this campus for three years now. We moved here from Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where we were for a couple of years. And so we just really love it being down here. It's a college town. And so it's got a lot of energy and it's been such a gift to um, be used in this new community. That's so fun and it sounds amazing. Um, I think that a lot of our listeners who had not prior to March of 2020 ever thought of homeschooling, I think they may listen and hear you describe your homeschooling with a a greater sense of respect and recognition of what that means (laughs) and what a hard job and a wonderful thing that you are doing and um, recognizing that it is much harder than an outsider might guess. <laughs> yeah, there certainly are a lot of challenges. Uh, I, was, I think my when daughter sings at the Life Church in Catoosa, so I'm real familiar with how all the Life Church stuff works. Oh, good. That's yeah. wonderful. Well, so Brian was actually initially a worship pastor. And so um, we have a, a heart for the worship teams and especially getting to bring on people um, just to kind of build them up as leaders. So that's really neat that she's getting to do that. Yeah. Kind of a fun connection with the fact that, you know, we are um, so happy to have you on the show and to to meet you by Zoom. But um, it's kind of a fun blast from the past because I, when I was a newlywed youth pastor's wife, is when I met your husband, Brian Bruss. And I think he was in eighth grade if I remember correctly, maybe ninth grade. And his sister, Angie, who was one of our podcast guests, and we'll put in the show notes a little reminder of how to find Angie Gavin's show if you are interested listeners in finding that one. But we have a lot of sweet memories watching Brian grow up and become an amazing godly young man. And uh, one of the first times that he led worship, I think, was in our youth group with a little synthesizer and a little boom mic, and he just did a great job. So it's it's really neat to see how the Lord's taken him and his gifts and has used him for all of these wonderful years and places and seasons. So it's pretty cool. And I got yeah, to that with is- Ryan, too, and he sang at my wedding. <laughs> oh my goodness, I forgot that. Jill, you should tell that. What did he sing at your wedding? Uh, I don't remember. I think it was a Stephen Curtis Chapman song because it was the 90s and everybody had Stephen Curtis Chapman songs in their wedding. Was it I Will Be Here? I'm no, sure. No, it was not that one because everybody did that one. It was not that one. It was a different one. 
Listeners, if you had the song, I will be here at your wedding, you and I have something in common. Okay, so <laughs> Davina, why don't you begin by just telling us a little bit about what it's like being a mom and homeschooling teacher at the same time, and how does that juggling play out for you? Yeah, so I grew up in a um, household that was very academically driven. And so homeschooling was just not anything that was on my radar at all. Um, I had kind of envisioned that my kids would follow the same path that I did, which was to go to private academic schools. And then I married a pastor. And at Life Church, we have services on Saturdays and on Sundays. And so as Caleb started to approach um, school age, we had to evaluate what our family life would look like if Brian was at church most of the day Saturday, all day Sunday, and then the kids were at school Monday through Friday. And so initially, that was what motivated us to homeschool. Um, not long after, so so I had four kids in four years, and so there were always babies wow. around when we were trying. Yes, we had a very, very busy household. Um, and so... And so homeschooling once Caleb was in kindergarten just kind of been a became a whole family affair because the little ones weren't going to leave us alone to do school. They were right there with us. And so um, that kind of birthed what is just kind of the atmosphere of our house, which is that we do school together and we're all in it together. Um, and so I haven't actually really known anything other than kind of doing that. And because I'm just a very structured person, that's how our household runs as well. We do school from a certain time to a certain time and we get it done and everybody sits at the same table. And I know that there's a lot of different models out there and that work really well for different families. But for us, that has been what's worked really well. It's been interesting to see now during COVID as people have kind of had to step into the role of a homeschool parent as for the first time and their kids are coming from a different environment, some of the challenges that they are facing and probably the most common one that I hear is my kids don't want to do school. They want to play, they're pushing back. And um, what do I do? And it's interesting because I think, well, my kids have never known anything different. They know right. that after breakfast, they sit down at the table and they start doing school. And so um for us, it's been just kind of this lifestyle of learning. I really believe that if I can instill a love of learning in my kids, then school doesn't become a burden for any of us anymore. And so we do it highly literature-based, really into stories to tell, to tell history, um, even science, anything that we can do through story and through book. That's how we choose to do it because I think story sticks with us. I think that's probably the reason that Jesus right. chose to illustrate so often through stories because it's so much more memorable. And so um, we do a lot of reading. Yeah, it's, it, it works really well for our family. And um, as a result, I also have four little avid readers who are just developing their own curiosities and wanting to delve in and learn things on their own, usually through books. And so, um, I really love it. I think it's a it's a really good opportunity to have a um, a greater influence in my kids' lives because I'm with them all the time. And one of the consequences of being with them all the time is I get to see all the junk, right? I get to see their, as my mother in law likes to say, that they're little sinners. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <it's true. laughs> they are. <laughs> 
And so I get to be there to see it and to help guide them and help them recognize um, those areas in their life and, and how we're supposed to respond to that and what God wants for us. And um, so it's, it is a holistic approach and it is a hard job. Um, I was telling you all before we started recording that I'm an introvert. And so it's difficult having four sweet little people with me all day, 24 hours a day, basically. I mean, my six-year-old will still come visit me in the middle of the night <laughs> just to tell me he's thirsty. Like, honey, you can go get some water <laughs> without waking me. But um, yeah, so I really, I really love it. I think if there's anybody out there who is considering doing it, it can seem very daunting. But when you have a vision of what it could look like and you have other people who can encourage you along the way who are doing it, um, as well. I think it, it can be a really successful and wonderful way to just kind of incorporate learning into your everyday life. It's really, really beautiful. And are you, aren't you an attorney by trade? Is that correct? I am. Yeah. So I went to law school. Um, after my first year of law school, though, I came home and I told my parents I was dropping out and I was going to move to Paris and I was going to culinary school. So really? <laughs> I would have loved it. But like I said, I grew up in this highly academic family and they were like, that's not a good idea. Um, More than anything, my parents fought really hard to dig out of poverty. And so they wanted to ensure that each of us had the ability to live a comfortable life without the struggles that they did. And so they said, you know what, even if it's just a plan B to have that degree in your back pocket, it's still worth getting it. And so... Um, but in God's providence, so I actually didn't come to know the Lord until I was 25. I was in law school and, um, it was after that first year of law school. And I went back, um, not necessarily begrudgingly, but, um, not thrilled about it. And, um, I think, but for the fact that I was there in that environment, I wouldn't have found the Lord. Um, and so, you know, he, he works in some pretty remarkable ways behind the scenes. We would really love it if you would tell our listeners that story, the sweet story of how you came to the Lord and how he probably surprised you in that. If you were a a law school student, I imagine that you were not thinking you needed anything at the time, (laughs) you know. So would you please share with us that story? Yeah, absolutely. So I did not grow up in a Christian household at all. Um, I grew up with some really incredible, loving parents, but church and Jesus was not a part of our life at all. Um, If we happened to be visiting my grandparents, we would go to their Catholic church, typically on a holiday, you know, Christmas and Easter. And um, that was the extent of it, other than we also abided by the traditions, um, baptism, First Holy Communion, confirmation. We had to go through those things as well. So, um, you know, I was a young adult, grad graduated from college, moved um, to Santa Fe. I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, moved up to Santa Fe to work in the political realm. I met a guy there. Um, We started dating. We moved in together. Then I went to Washington, D.C. for law school. He came with me. So we were living together there as well. And um, for years, for years and years, we were together. And throughout all that time, um, he cheated on me multiple times. And every time I would find some sort of evidence. I would confront him about it. And um, never once was there any remorse. Never once was there an apology, even a recognition that it was valid. Um, There was always some sort of brushing it off, um, not even really justification, just ignoring that it's even there. 
And every time, I mean, I was blinded by love. And so every time I would take him back and things would go back to normal. And then once again, something would crop up. Well, um, in 2005, what cropped up was we were visiting my, um, his parents down in North Carolina. And while we were there, I just happened to be messing around on his computer and saw a folder on the desktop that was labeled desktop pics. So I opened it up and in that folder, there was a massive stash of pornography. I had no idea that that was a part of his life at all. And I completely lost it, um, was beside myself with, with just the grief of, of this whole new level of betrayal. Um, but that being said, he grew up in a Christian household. His dad is actually a pastor at a Baptist church there. And so there we were with his mom and his dad when I found this. And so you were of course literally I heard, in their house at the yeah. moment you saw this terrible discovery. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, and so he went out on the front porch with his mama and I sat down with his dad and his dad took that opportunity. I mean, they knew me. It had been years that we'd been with him. And so they knew that I didn't know the Lord at all. And so he took that opportunity to kind of enter into my brokenness and share the gospel with me. And I remember some of the illustrations just about us being like little ants to demonstrate the magnitude and the majesty of God. And, um, and I really appreciated his willingness to have that conversation with me, but it still didn't make any sense to me at all. Um, so I was, I was completely broken and his sweet mama, I mean, she is the sweetest thing. And she said, well, you know what? The best thing you can do is get in a church. And so they happened to know a family that had moved from their church to, um, a town just outside of Washington, D.C., and had a church there. And so they connected me with with that family, and she told me I needed to get a NIV study Bible. And so I ordered one online and had that delivered. And so we went back to Washington, D.C. We were still together despite all of this. And I started going to church every Sunday. Um, now, it was a Baptist church, and so it was every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and then every Wednesday night as well. And so I was doing that. In the meantime, he moved up to Boston. And so we were separated just because he was going to school up there. And I loved it. I felt like every time I was in church, it was like the message was directly to me. Even the worship songs, which I had never heard before, I just felt like, oh, my word, it's as if God knew exactly what I needed that I didn't even know that I needed. And so... um, The Wednesday night class was a Beth Moore Bible study over the patriarchs. And it was, I'm a high learner and I was just, I would eat it up. It was me and all the older women in the church in this class, because there was this cool soul cafe that happened for the young people in the church, but I just could not get enough of the Bible and the stories. I mean, Genesis, it's filled with so much drama and I mean, it was incredible. Yeah. And so I would, I'd go there. And then on Thursday, right after I'd get out of class, I'd go home and I'd do all my homework for the entire week because I just couldn't get enough of it. Okay. Wait, Davina, this was Beth Moore Bible study, the patriarchs. We're yes. talking at least 30 minutes, maybe 45 per homework. You would do it all on Thursday. I've done some. Yeah, yeah those are, those are serious Bible studies. Like they you take a long, 
dive in and do the whole week in one sitting. <laughs> I love it. I, yeah. Well, I loved it. I mean, I had never, I mean, you got to keep in mind, I had never opened a Bible. I had never seen any of these stories or, I mean, it was just absolutely brand new to me and I could not get enough. Um, so that was my Wednesday night experience. Sunday was awesome. And then Sunday night, I was doing this kind of like a Christianity 101 course. And so it was just really the basics of, of Christianity. So in the meantime, um, my boyfriend was up in Boston. He had found another woman um, that I found out about because I was kind of crazy and would check his voicemails and those sorts of things. And so well, I found out about her. Force. Who wouldn't check his stuff after all that? <sighs> yeah. And like there was, there was so much junk. It was awful, awful, but it was like betrayal after betrayal after betrayal <laughs> to the point that I found myself just completely spiraling where I was in a very, very deep depression um, to the point of feeling suicidal and I would walk to class. I would just cry, tears streaming down my face all during class, walk home and just fall in bed and cry and cry and cry. And um, the Lord was using that pain because um, it showed me my need for something different. Like you were saying, Robin, I was kind of on the top of the world. I was at a top law school in the country. I had my, my future ahead of me. It just seemed like everything was in place. And so it would be so easy to say, I don't need anything, but he used this deep pain to reveal to me that I did, that I needed a savior. And so on um, September 12th, 2005, I was just kind of at my wit's end and laying in bed. And my prayer to God was simply, I can't do this alone. It was just a, a plea of desperation that I needed him. And I fell asleep that night, completely and utterly exhausted, and woke up the next morning and felt completely different, absolutely completely different. Remarkable. I mean, so remarkable. The hope that I felt, the peace, the comfort. I mean, I went from the darkest pit you can imagine to literally feeling okay, like, this is okay. My circumstances are the same, but I am okay, and I'm going to make this. And it was just absolutely remarkable. And the thing that I always cling to is the faithfulness of God, because it wasn't like I was fabricating this in my life. I had never read the promises of God. I did not know that he promised this hope. I did not know that he promised this peace. I did not know that he promised us comfort. And so all of this stuff was just reality. It was the word of God coming alive alive in my life. And so that really birthed in me this passion um, because I knew, I knew what actually meeting Jesus and surrendering your life to him could do. And so um, from that point on, I mean, I was already all in a church. I was doing the Wednesday, Sunday and Sunday thing, but, but it was a whole other level. And um, so that is how I came to know the Lord and like I said, I already had this passion for the word of God and I could not get enough of it. I had this little tiny one that would fit in my purse and, um, in Washington, D.C. You travel by metro, by um, subway, everywhere you go. And I would sit there reading my Bible every chance I got. Um, I just could not get enough of it. So the other day, my sweet babies were asking me how many times I've read the Bible. And I, and I thought, there's no way I could count. It's, it's probably been at least 20 times. 
because from that very first, before I even knew the Lord, I couldn't get enough of it. And it has been what has sustained me um, through all the many things that I've had to walk through over these last 15 years. Um, I've gotten the privilege of seeing his word come alive in different ways. And so something that I wonder about, and I, I bet it was so sweet to you was when you uh, awoke with that peace and that hope, and you were just overwhelmed with the recognition that, you know, this is Jesus did all of the things you had been learning just have a new flashlight shining on them of like, oh my goodness, now, oh, and you know, kind of seeing it with even more light on the page or, or with more understanding of this is about Jesus. The whole thing is about Jesus. Every, all of the stories point to him. And what was that like connecting what you've already learned to love and then putting it with your newfound faith? Yeah, I think, I think one of the most incredible things about the word of God is how it meets us where we are. And so in those early times, just to get to see, you know, like I said, I was walking through Genesis um, at that time and getting to see his faithfulness um, in those people's lives to be able to pinpoint that in my life as well and, and really get to see how God's character has been the same throughout time. Um, that's one of the things that we spoke about homeschooling, that probably my greatest goal is if my children leave my house knowing who God is and who they are because of him, then I will feel as though their education is complete. They may not be the best spellers or they may not, you know, whatever academic achievement, those are the things that I think are most important in life. Um, understanding the character of God and how we as his ambassadors are to emulate that character. I mean, that is, that is something that I'm so deeply passionate about. Um, so yeah, I mean the word the word of God probably if you were to ask if you were to ask me what I'm most passionate about it is people knowing the word of God, um, people living um, living out our call to be worthy of that call and discipling. And I think discipling for me right now in this season is discipling my kids, and that is teaching them the word of God and teaching them how to live it out. Um, so. What did this do with your family that you grew up in, like your parents and stuff? How did they feel about all the changes happening in you? Yeah. So, <laughs> so at the church I was at, they gave us these quarterly devotionals, like a paper devotion. And I would, every single morning, I would type out the devotion and I would just email it to everyone in my family because I thought, this is incredible. You've got to read this. You've got to hear this. And so what was fascinating to me, though, is my dad told me once I started doing that, that he had been reading the Bible every single day for years. And I was shocked. I mean, I could not believe it because it was never, it was never introduced to me. Um, the only time religion had kind of played a part in our life as a family was when I was in elementary school, we had some Jehovah Witnesses that would come over on Wednesday afternoons and study with my mom. And so I had seen in my mom a little bit of spiritual curiosity, but I had not mm -hmm. seen that in my dad. And it's been really incredible to see um, over these years that he and I have had some really wonderful conversations about Jesus. Um, even so... So I am incredibly passionate about justice issues, and so is my dad. 
Um, and so we have been connecting on one specific justice issue in particular recently. I was doing a U version reading plan on that. And so I decided to send it to him, um, a, a reading from that day. And that next morning, he texted me and said, thank you for sending me that. Because of that message, I opened my Bible for the first time since 2000, what is it, 2012, I think. And so it was just really, really incredible um, to see how even, even just meeting in a commonality opened the door. And sure enough, he'll just text me scripture. He'll text me, I was reading this in the Proverbs this morning and it made me think of you or whatever. And so just to see how um, that interest is still there, um, but it's, it's been fun. It's been challenging, you know, when, when there's people yeah. that you love who don't know the Lord or, or whose relationship with the Lord might look different. Um, it's challenging, but they get to see it. I mean, I just recently got to go on a, a several day trip with my two brothers and my dad and we were climbing some mountains and just talking about our lives. And it's such a gift because Jesus is so all encompassing in my life um, that they get to see how he has transformed me and um, how he just really permeates all of my thoughts and intentionality and all of that. So hmm. you're quite an adventure too, aren't you? Cause I've, Brian was put, putting that on. I saw that on his social media about your mountain climbing and stuff. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I am a yes person. So if someone invites me to do something, I say yes. So I don't know that I would initiate the adventure, but I'm happy to go along. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. Well, would you tell us the story of how you met your husband and how the Lord brought you together? Because I know that you have, so far in our, our talk, you've shared about this, this deep pain and a, it took years to, for you to experience all that and the journey of that and then to, you know, wake up and have the peace and hope. But, you know, now what? So we would love to hear the next chapter. Yeah. So, um, gosh, it was pretty close to a year, probably about nine or 10 months after I ended that relationship, after I came to know the Lord, that I had moved to a different church. There was this really wonderful church that was really geared towards um, young professionals. And so I started going to that church and they do a um, small group model where the small group meet outside of church. And so I was meeting with my small group and there was this one woman who only came one time. And in that time, she emailed me after and said, you have got to meet this guy. And I, I thought, okay, like, how could you even know me to know who I should meet? But sure enough, she introduced me to Brian via MySpace, which was the social media of the time. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we started messaging back and forth and there were a few things that really stuck out to me about him. One, he is incredibly quick-witted, which I love because that's how my brothers are. And so that was very comfortable to me to have that kind of banter. And, um, and the other thing was that, so I had been walking with the Lord for close to a year. And in that time, I had noticed that a lot of the young people my age did not have the same fervor that I did. And so um, I was, kind of just resolved that, well, I may just never get married. <laughs> My life may just be, you know, full on for Jesus and that's it. But Brian was different. Brian was the first person that I felt like what had the intense 
passion to see people come to know Jesus that I felt. Um, and he was so wise. So I was, like I said, still a baby. And so I would come to him with so many questions about what I was reading and what I didn't understand. And he would just sit with me and talk through it because he'd been in church, you know, since he was probably in the womb. And so right. he, he <laughs> had just, you know, invested so much time in knowing truth. And so um, that really differentiated him from the other people that I knew. So we dated for 10 months. He was living in Arizona. I was living in Washington, D.C. And so we would see each other about every six weeks just for a long weekend. And then at the end of that, I graduated in April. I moved to Arizona just for the summer because in law school, you set up your um, job, your post-graduation job a year in advance. So I had already accepted a position to clerk for a court in New Mexico. And so the plan was, oh, I'm just going to move to Arizona for the summer. We'll get to actually see if we like each other when we see each other every day. And that weekend we got engaged and two months later we got married. Wow. Wait, you, wait, that's too great to just <laughs> say that in one, one sentence. You met him for, you know, face to face. And then by the end of the weekend, you were engaged. Yep. We had, we had dated for 10 months where we saw each other every oh, six you weeks. You saw each other every six weeks, but this is when yes. you moved there. Yes. Okay. When I moved to Arizona. Yeah. And so we, we lived our first year of marriage long distance also, you know, even, even in that, I see so much grace from God. Um, first of all, it was such a grace that Brian was long distance from me when I was in DC because I had so many unhealthy tendencies that I don't think I could have been in a healthy relationship that I would have reverted back to my old self. And so that God put that distance between he and I so that I could continue pursuing my relationship with the Lord, um, first and foremost, um, but the second thing was that he built our communication so deeply in um, our just ability to not be so reliant on each other face to face because our first year of marriage was, was separated as well, where I had accepted that job. Wow. And so I lived in New Mexico. Um, my judge was so kind to allow me to work Monday through Thursday, long days. And then I would get on a plane, fly to Arizona, spend the weekend with Brian, fly back on Sunday night and work. Um, and so when people say like the first year of marriage was so hard, I think it wasn't, it was wonderful. <laughs> it was like a vacation every weekend where I got to see my husband. <laughs> oh. But yeah, it was perfect. And then um, as following that year, we moved here to Oklahoma um, for the first time as a couple and, you know, have been here all except for this brief period where we lived in um, New Mexico for a couple of years planted a church out there so yeah that's wonderful I just love to hear how God has brought you to together and has given you such a sweet and joyful life together it's pretty awesome it's pretty awesome I have to say praise the Lord for that so cool yeah yeah we were so happy for Brian when he met you because we yes. heard all about it we we're so excited well, thank you. I'm glad that that's been so good. Um, do you have any other things you want to share with our listeners or any resources that you have? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I am um, very passionate about the Word of God. And so there is a woman named Jen Wilkins who wrote a book um, called, I believe, called Women in the Word, which is just a really fantastic book. Um, 
way to study the Bible. I, I love to engage in the Word of God in different ways, um, to read through it. I do the Bible in 90 days. Um, I try to do that at least once a year, which is just kind of a, you know, real quick read through kind of an overview of how the Bible works together. And you can really you do the whole like Bible in 90 days. Yeah. So it sounds like it's a lot, but it's not. It's, yes. it's only about 45 minutes a day. So if you think about it, how, I mean, how much time do we spend on social media or do we spend watching TV or even just driving that 45 minutes isn't that much time. Um, and on, it's on the YouVersion Bible app. And so there's an, there's an audio ability there where you can listen to it. Um, I don't do that because I do not learn that way. I will be thinking about all the things I need to do instead of listening. But um, so I really love doing the Bible in 90 days, but I also really love digging in deeply through inductive studies, which was one of the very first ways that I learned. Um, and just with my logical legal mind, it makes a lot of sense. So um, her book is fantastic. If that's something that um, your listeners would be interested in, in learning about. Um, my very favorite book that changed my life dramatically as far as um, what it looks like to live for Jesus on a day-to-day basis and live in surrender is a book called Kisses from Katie by Katie Davis. I've probably read that book close to a dozen times. I mean, it's just a really yeah, remarkable story. Yeah, it's, she's got a beautiful testimony of just um, living for what really matters and just recognizing that um, having an eternal perspective and living in day-by-day obedience to the Lord um, can really make a tremendous impact, not only for those who are directly affected by you, but also just the ripple effect of that is pretty incredible. Um, I love reading people's testimonies. I think there is something so encouraging about people who have been so faithful throughout their life. Um, there's a woman named Jill Briscoe, who's, I think she's probably in her eighties now. And every time I hear her speak or I read one of her books, she fills me with so much encouragement because here's a woman who has um, seen a lot of life. She came to know the Lord in her 20s as well. So this is 60 years of walking with the Lord in such a faithful way. And what I love about her is she's so vulnerable about it being difficult and having and choosing to do the hard work anyway. Um, so she just, she really encourages me in that. I mean, I am a learner. I, I probably read 120 books this year already. And so I could do wow. that. Amazing. That's amazing. That is so impressive. Rob and I have been doing the, um, the Bible in a year. <laughs> yeah. We're taking it, but 90 days is, I'm just impressed. So impressed by that. I am <laughs> the chronological reading plan. It's been so great. I love yeah. reading it this way. It's been awesome. So, I think Brian is doing a chronological too, and he really loves it. We got my son Caleb onto you version um, when he got baptized, yeah. and and he was dead set on doing the Bible in a year and doing the one that his daddy was doing. And so Aww. that's that's difficult <laughs> when you're when you're ten, or I guess he was nine at the time. But um, it's just really neat to see a love for for the Word yes. at such a young yeah. age. It's wonderful. Okay, so I have one more question. So what would you say to that girl who maybe is finding out that her boyfriend or somebody that she's in a relationship with is cheating or has 
delved in pornography or something like that. What? Do, how does she get herself out of that? So are you talking about someone who's dating or someone who's married? Either. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a, I think there's two different approaches um, right. based on whether you're just dating or if you're married, if you're just dating, I think that that is pornography is an addiction. Um, and it is something that is going to be, be um, something that he will have to fight for, for probably the rest of his life. And so I would just really encourage her to take a step back and think about her future and think about her value um, in the eyes of God. And honestly, I would, I would say to end the relationship, certainly until there has been healing in his life. Um, but also recognize that God has something, God has something better. Um, than to live in a life within a relationship where you are not valued the way that you should be. Um, I know it's hard. I know it is so hard, especially when you are deeply in love to walk away from a relationship, especially when you want to believe the best for someone. And that best could be there. That could be in the future, but there needs to be a lot of hard work um, in the meantime. Um, if it's marriage, that's, that's something different. You know, marriage is a commitment and it's a covenant for um, you know, we know that there's, there's the caveat for adultery, but I do believe in, in still fighting for things. And so counseling, um, making sure that your husband is willing to do that hard work on his own. Here's the thing. And you all know this because you have kids. Behavior modification does not work. There has to be a heart change. There has right. to be an internal desire for healing. And so just Oh, praying, praying, praying that there would be that desire in him as well. And here's the amazing thing. It can happen. You know, I have seen marriages restored. I have seen men and women, because pornography is an issue for women as well, step three right. um, from those things. And that's something we don't talk about is the issue for women. We don't yeah. really ever talk about that. The statistics are are pretty startling in um and, and it's a significant issue in our society, especially like one of the things that's been so heartbreaking during COVID is to see how the statistics and the use of pornography has dramatically increased. There's a bunch of different reasons for that. Um, but part of that reason is loneliness that people are experiencing now more than ever. And so um, I guess a positive in all of this is that it is becoming more well-known. So there are more resources. There's more talk about it. There's um, more counselors that are willing to address it, but it's a, it's a long process of healing and um, mm -hmm. don't do it alone. Don't hide it. Um, get help, get people around you who are willing to walk along with you and help you heal too, because there's, there's a lot of deep wounds that come from that. Mm -hmm. And some really good wisdom that you're sharing. Thank you very much. Um, I would also just want to say, is there just a, a word of encouragement you just want to say for somebody who might just be in a time of depression? Maybe just things are really hard and dark and that you would want to just let them know this is, this is something I wanted to say just to you. I guess I would say that as alone as you feel like you are, you are not alone. 
that the God of the universe who created you and has created you just the way you are is right there with you and loves you deeply. And it's not just God that's with you. Like, I pray that you would choose to reach out to those around you because there is something very freeing and something very healing about actually having a tangible person there that can walk alongside you. Um, even in the darkest pits, when you feel like there is no hope, there is always hope. Um, if you can take it one day at a time, one day at a time, one day at a time, the Lord will show up. I mean, he has shown up time and time again for me. I know that's the same for both of you all as well. And it can be the same for um, that listener out here, out there who's feeling that, that depth of darkness too. Thank you again so much for coming and sharing your heart and your story. We just really, I just really love this one. This is a good one. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much, Davina. It just means a lot to us and to our listeners. Thank you so much. Well, I'm happy to. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Wow. So thank you everyone for listening in. And did you just love Davina like we do? Oh my goodness. What a great, great story that she shared with us today. One of the things that she said um, to women who are in despair that I really loved was she said, as alone as you feel like you are, you are not alone. It's God that is with you. So even when we feel like we're in the darkest pit, that we're all by ourselves, that nobody can hear us, our Heavenly Father is sitting right there next to us saying, I'm right here. Just turn around. You know, something that I also want to encourage you listeners as just a parting word today, no matter what your day is like, no matter what your week is like this month or my goodness, this year, 2020, (laughs) you never know what God has in store for you right around the bend. Davina had no way of knowing that Brian Bruss was right around the corner and that a life of joy and serving God with such fulfillment was just just a few steps away and she didn't know it. And I just wanna encourage you that may be you today, just waiting in the dark and wondering when, when is something going to happen, Lord? And you just never know what God has around the bend. He is so, He is so for you. He loves you and He is with you. And I want to encourage you today. You may, you can find such hope in Him. And one of the most important things about doing Afraid Not for Jill and for me is to offer you the hope to know you can trust in God. And I loved their meat cute. How, how cute was their meat? I know. It was adorable. So fun. By the way, meat cute. What a fun reference <laughs> to the movie, The Holiday. <laughs> Love that movie. So thanks for listening, everybody, today. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about our podcast if you like our show. Also, thank you for being um, patient with our audio at times. I think we've got it all figured out, so we should be okay from here on out, I hope. Fingers crossed. (laughs) So anyway, have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Two weeks. Bye.